dog. I thought I silenced that. <laughs> so sorry. Let's start over. Okay. <laughs> Fucking thing. <laughs> shit. Okay. Okay, we need to stop it. No, it's fine. It's oh, fine. Shit. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. Hello! Do you remember Mrs. Doubtfire? Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking of. Welcome back to Shit Your Shrink Thanks, everybody. How was your weeks? Answer me telepathically, as I've asked you to do every week. Right. I hear you. We do. We No. We what do you know. hear? Mumbles? Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's a problem. We shouldn't be hearing things that other people are saying from meters and miles away. Uh-oh. So I guess we could start out this week by talking about what's good, if you're cool with it, yeah. doing our doing our what's good segment. So uh, tell me. What's good is I'm feeling better. <laughs> nice. Nice, nice. So what had happened, though? So I was uh, sick. I had COVID for the last couple weeks. She got the Rona. I did. Rona. She got the vid. Uh, it got her. But it wasn't that bad. I mean, overall, compared to what it could have been, I was fairly fine um, yeah but i'm just happy to feel human again so i'm really i'm really happy it's like nothing else will tell you about mental health quicker than when you're sick or like mm. physically unwell because yeah. you're immediately like oh nothing else matters except for my body feels like a garbage can all the goddamn time right really hones you in it does it does it really kind of gives you that perspective of the the struggle is real man <laughs> oh man when i got the rona and i called it i called it in for a week straight i was so 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 sick and i listen guys i was a hipster with the rona i got it before it was cool yeah and it was right when it was coming out and everybody was like is she gonna die and then right, i didn't quite know what it was yet yeah and then i thought maybe and i was laying on the couch in coffin pose with like my <laughs> arms crossed <laughs> over my chest and it was like literally asking the other person in my house like am i going to make it and they were like dog i don't know and i was like oh shit like (laughs) i got like a shot in my outside perspective is saying yeah man this is pretty gnarly yeah Yeah, you look like a nazgul like jesus christ (laughs) you look look like death my dude i actually see the grim reaper hovering over you but it wasn't that bad (laughs) i'm i'm glad to hear yours wasn't that bad yes cool man yeah so what's good with you So I, as I have told you, have taken this to mean that I can share whatever I feel like in my heart. And so this time I'm going to break you off a piece of a fun fact about me, which I actually kind of talked about earlier when we were talking about making the podcast art, actually. Um, So at one point in my life, I used to really, really like anime. 
like okay yeah like a lot noted this before yes i've noted this and i really really liked sailor moon i would come home from school i think it was like the 4 30 p.m show it was like dragon ball z was on at four and Uh sailor moon was on at 4 30 if i missed it i would lose my (laughs) shit like (laughs) i needed to see these sailor scouts and actually sailor moon is kind of where i learned to draw Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. So, like, trace all the little characters. And at one point in time, I was pretty convinced that I, too, was going to become a Sailor Scout. Right. That's what I was going to say. Did you fantasize about kind of being her? Yeah, absolutely. Who wouldn't? She changes into this, like, badass outfit, kicks demon ass, and then, like, throws a tiara to murder people. It's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) If I can... I I know the name, but I really don't know the character of the story to be honest basically it's this i don't even know it's the story of this young girl who is a princess from the moon but has lost all of her memories and used to be basically like a superhero and this talking cat comes is like hey homie you're a superhero from the moon and she's like nah and she's like yep you've lost all your memories and then gives her back her special locket that helps her transform and then she opens up this locket and transforms into the superhero and then starts beating monsters. And then she meets all of her friends that used to be her like old squad mm-hmm. that like also helped her beat monsters. And then they're all like best friends and fighting darkness together. I feel like this is sounds sort of similar to Rainbow Bright. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but both of which yeah. are like to me are like yeah. past life kind of yeah theory reminiscence. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, D- absolutely, absolutely. Fricky, yeah, I loved Rainbow Bright too. <laughs> I love that goddamn horse so much. There was one. There was like a Rainbow Bright character that was a Storm Cloud one. Do you mm-hmm. remember that one? I was like weirdly obsessed with that one. I. I don't remember all the characters. No, I really oh, don't. Man. I just remember the the basic storyline and that it was cool. Which was she fights darkness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She like forgot who she was and then she remembers and she fights off the darkness. Yeah. There was also like another <laughs> tangentially related. I think this is a little before my time, but it was like gem or something. Mm. It was this rock star lady who would turn into a superhero, but was also a rock star. I feel like I have like some yeah. images in my head for that, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But <laughs> Yeah. Like, I don't think that this is exactly related, but it's tangentially related. Anyway, so this week, y'all, we are going to be... Oh, wait, actually, let's talk about our outside of podcast experiments. experiments. Yeah. yeah. So what'd you do? Uh, so I didn't really sit down and take the time to like evaluate my self love and self compassion like I planned to, but this was my first time really diving into editing, and so I recognize that that I still need to work on some stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> like <laughs> my self compassion was not at the level that I quite <laughs> thought I was. Yeah, y'all, I got these texts like <laughs> basically I was manic about it. I was like, oh my god, I'm the worst person to listen to. I say. Like and um and you know and uh, it. Ha- I mean, it happens to the best of us. You guys are getting better. Yeah. Well, hey, and me too. I just you guys don't get the version where I just am like uh <laughs> for like five minutes and then there's deep silence. So yeah, it's it's hard to listen to yourself. It's hard to like try something new too. It's yeah. hard to put yourself out there in this way. So yeah, I yeah. can see it. It was a eye opening experience for sure. So. I do need to check myself a little bit more. And, and, and I tried to be, after I recognized that I was really angry with myself mm-hmm. <laughs> for simply being a human that talks in a Midwestern way, 
You know, uh, don't you know? Don't you know? Let's <laughs> be best to get that wrench there, eh? <laughs> yeah. So I uh, decided that I need to be a little kinder to myself, and I will work on that the next time I edit. Yeah. I definitely, y'all, I was like, I was on vacation and so we hadn't seen each other because we worked together and I would get these like texts like, oh no, what is going on with my voice? Why do I say you no? Know? Oh no, I said luck again. And I was like, you know what? Honestly, at this point, we are both just trying our best. We're doing our I best. I did my best. <laughs> I did my best. I did my, it was the best I could do at that time. Right. So yeah, but I hear you. The first couple of times I listened to my own voice and even now still, yeah. it's it's a challenge so i empathize and right there with you yeah right it there was with you. it was interesting i definitely noticed all of my little hiccups in speaking whereas like yours didn't like i i would actually have to really pay attention to when you were speaking to make sure i wasn't missing them yeah they sounded so natural from my perspective listening to you but every time i heard myself i was like what the is this woman saying? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this person? Yeah, it's it was the same for me. I could hear every little speech mishap that I had when I was editing. Uh-huh. But when I was listening to you, I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I would really have to pay attention. So yeah. I think that's just a lesson to our listeners, too, of like people. They're not judging you as harshly as you're judging yourself. Right. You will always hear the worst mistakes that you make. And at the end of the day, half the time, other people have no idea. Yeah. 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 So how did your out- outside experiment go? I actually did okay. I kind of converted it a little bit. So what I tried to do for self-compassion was kind of reminding myself that my C plus effort was good. Mm. And so that did help. Like when I was trying to get real intense and I don't know, really lost in the sauce with things, I would just dial back and say just the phrase out loud. My C plus effort is Okay. But I actually kind of transitioned it a little bit because I had some time off as well. And what I realized in my time off was that I needed to be less engaged with outcomes and less Mm -hmm. trying to control things less. Um, Other people's behaviors, other people's reactions to me, how my clients were engaging, what was happening at work. And by trying to let go of control a little bit and stay more in the present moment and just be like, this is not an outcome I can influence. I did right. the thing according to my value. I can't influence this, this at is all. all I can do for the situation. This is it. And so it just kind of like released me from that trap of trying to be perfectionistic all the time, mm-hmm. um, which was a form of self-compassion for me. And it really helped. It, it Honestly, it took me a while to, I had I want to say 13 days off and it probably took me five, six days to even let my cortisol, my stress chemical cool down and my adrenaline cool down enough that I could even think rationally again outside of work. And I guess the lesson to the people listening is, hey, if you can at all take any amount of time off that is slightly more prolonged, I realized that, so like this is the first job I've ever had where I could actually take some time off. Um, so if you guys can't do that, see what you can get and see right. see if you can get it often because your body really does need a physical chance to calm down. Otherwise, it just doesn't, it's just like screeching in the background and right. you don't yeah. know. And, it, and it, like you said, it takes so long for that to decompress. I remember there was a period of time where I was unemployed for a little bit. I didn't know that. (laughs) Tell me more. Uh, After I left the prison, I was basically just like, fuck this shit, I'm out. I don't even care that I don't have a job. I'm done. (laughs) 
so <laughs> I am so and, over and this. It took my new job a while to officially hire me. Oh, I see. So uh, I was off for a long time, and it honestly took me a, at least a solid month to a month and a half before I actually felt like a human again. And if yeah. I would have been barreling in from that one job to the next, because I, I that was also part of why I was like, okay, I'm just going to take it off, even though I don't have a job, because I knew that I had to detox. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you can give yourself that, yeah, I needed, yeah, a whole month at yeah. least was how long it, it took. It really does feel like that. And I think people really shame themselves a lot for needing this time off and needing to be away from a workspace. But think of it this way, you know, me and Michaela, we are literally trained and licensed mental health providers and we can't even get close to baseline unless a week has passed. Right. And even to return to normal, it takes a month. So I know that sounds like, hey, you know, a lot of us don't actually get that time off and I get that, but I would just encourage people to think of the fact that really where are your finances at right now and really can you take a hit on money that is worth it to you yeah. for the improvement in your mental health. Your mental health is worth yeah. the a little bit of financial burden if, yeah. if needed. Yeah, if needed. I mean, and there's definitely like, you know, financial burden affects mental health. But if you can get any time off, we do really recommend it. It does help. It helps a lot. It does. There was some kind of research I read a while back. I want to say it was like people who make as a household 70000 or more, everything above 70000 in that household really doesn't contribute much more to mental health. Because mm. um, I always say like money doesn't buy happiness, but it certainly lubricates the pathway. Right. Like anybody yeah. who says that money doesn't buy happiness is Clearly never- has never had enough money. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like never been fucking poor before. That's like such a dumb thing to say. Right. Because there like- There is so much stress. You have to have it to survive. You really do. You really do. But if you're at a, if you're fortunate and you're at a point where it's like you're stable, you're able to make ends meet and you've got some kind of cushion, then yeah, man, it might be time to take that time and yes. maybe buy less things and use that money to cushion yourself for more time off. Just a thought. Yeah, definitely. Re evaluate what, what your energy is going to and what your money is going to, what things can be cut, what things yeah. should be focused on instead. Yeah, a surprising amount of things can be cut. Thrift shopping, y'all. It's great. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I love thrift shopping. Anyway. Makes me think of the song. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Some, what is that? How does it go? I'm trying to think. It's the Macklemore. In song. my pocket. <laughs> yeah. In my pocket. <laughs> What's the first part? This is fucking awesome. It's <laughs> a dope song. It is. We, did, we clearly we did great. Did terrible on trying to sing. <laughs> it's about thrift shopping, y'all. Uh. Anyway, so this week we're going to be talking a little bit about pop psychology, actually, and mental health in the media. So first, we're going to kind of talk about what pop psychology is. What even? How do you tell what it is? How can you tell the difference between something that is pop psychology in the media that the media is creating and doesn't have a scientific basis versus something that's, that's actually legitimately real? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I can start with what I understand pop psychology to be. And you can kind of tell me a little yeah, bit about what you're talking about. Yeah. Off, awesome. <laughs> so 
Pop psychology is basically something the media invented to sound like a real mental health condition, therapy, or mental health concept. So it's something that's used as like either a plot device or something in a song or a tool for movies to use to move forward somebody's character development, but it doesn't have it. It looks like psychology. It smells like mental health. It smells like social work, but it has no real basis in science. Right. And, you know, sometimes it can, but a lot of times there's a sprinkling. Yeah, there's like a grain of salt of of truth within that. Yeah. But it's not an accurate representation or it's a misinterpretation to some degree. Yeah, often. And so we just kind of wanted to talk about like, well, how do you tell um, what is pop psychology versus what is more real? Because sometimes there is good representations in the media of, of mental health. So. Usually when something is fake is when it's kind of like more sexy or stylized. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good, definitely a good indicator. If it's sexy, it's probably not real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be real with you all. There is nothing sexy about mental health. No. <laughs> like it gets real unsexy in here very fast. Yeah. So like there's kind of this thing that happens where mental health that is fake is romanticized. Certain problems are romanticized, like, oh, I'm suicidal or I have PTSD or have a substance use disorder or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, those of us who've had it, we can fucking guarantee you, it is not chill. Like, it's not fun. It's not like a cool experience. Right. It's not something that's super sexy. Like, we're not like in clubs, like snorting cocaine and like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like off of strippers' bodies. Like, right. that's yeah, not that's what's happening. That's not how a normal cocaine addiction actually rolls. Yeah, like, I mean, it can start that way, which is, like, maybe the fun part, and then right. it really rapidly is uncool. So, yes. yeah, first of all, pop, pop psychology or pop mental health, it pretends it's really cool and it's really stylish, but right, it's and not. It, and it glamorizes the darkness, too, like you said, with the depression and suicidal stuff. It makes it seem like the, that it is kind of cool to have that struggle, but mm-hmm. that's not the case. Anyone who's actually been in that location yeah. will... Definitely disagree. Yeah. (laughs) If you've ever had like dark thoughts before, like it's more like you're driving home and you're like, oh no. Yeah. I should do something. I should probably see somebody about this. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the wart you find on the bottom of your foot where you're like, um, is that, is my foot going to fall off now? Or should I see, should I see an adult? Do I need some help right now? (laughs) It's not like somebody's not like zooming in with their like Instagram Photoshop and just making it seem really appealing. So that's one part of pop psychology. Another thing is it's often sensationalized. Like it's really dramatic. Mm, Yeah. And one thing that I find black and white. Yes. When everything is so gray in reality. Yes. Yeah. Can you say more about what you mean? Like like when you see mental health in in media and it's very black and white, like, can you give some examples or just say more what you mean there? I, I, I mean, black and white. I'm what I mean is that they're they're showing the extremes. They're showing the, the high highs. Yes. And they're showing the low lows. Yeah. And they're again, glamorizing and or like just pushing it to the absolute most extreme level that is just unrealistic so that it's unrelatable exactly. to some degree for people. I mean, do those, do, do some things get to that extreme? Sure. Occasionally. Yeah. But you're actually kind of devaluing mm-hmm. the middle struggle and, yeah. and the gray area that is more realistic and more experienced. Yeah. Yeah. The middle and the gray is usually what we see. I mean, like, yeah. 
people will trip off at one end of the extreme and then eventually be the thing that decides you want to go get help. Yeah. Hit those extremes. But the majority of your mental health ride is it on that extreme. Yeah. The reality is people don't have enough energy like to, <laughs> to ride at that high of a level. I mean, you could be manic, but even manic has like a, yeah, you're going to have a fall. Yeah. You're going to have a couple day window, maybe a couple week window where you're riding really high. And then after that, like, eh, not so much. So, I, I mean, like I see a lot of times exactly what you were saying, Michaela, where the media is portraying depression or anxiety. And for example, like depression, they just show this person just like, laying in bed all day, dying, always suicidal. And it's like the reality is a lot of people with depression, they get up, they go to work. They're just super, super bummed at work. Yeah. And then they're like... They're functioning, but they're still yeah. depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're just microwaving a Hot Pocket, just fucking yep. staring off into space, listening to Toto. God bless the rain down in Africa. Like, that's just life. And it's not actually... Um, as attractive or as extreme. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. Another thing about mental health in the media and and how psychology or mental health is represented is, is it's often politicized. Like I've noticed like everything's freaking politicized anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's like always some like weird message behind it that like has some like political framework. And it's like mental health actually isn't political. Like there's just science and, and cultural things that. Right create your mental health but there is not a politic and nobody should be benefiting from representing mental health in some sort of way right so often the the biggest way i can see if something is fake in the media related to mental health is is this benefiting somebody is this portrayal the agenda behind this portrayal exactly dig into who yeah who gets money? money. <laughs> yeah. Who gets money? Yeah, we didn't plan that either. the money trail. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there will be so many, like, I can think of even just certain kinds of, like, movies that talk about online bullying or movies that, or media representations that talk about depression or media representations that talk about anxiety and how it interacts with politics. It's like, I, I think a lot of the times certain either corporations or um, maybe political figures or, you know, you never know, maybe even like directors, they will use mental health as like a plot point yeah, or a almost like a thing to make them more relatable to get viewership or sponsorship yeah. uh, to get them what they want. But it's really it's really a smokescreen and. Yeah, bells and whistles. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> so these are ways, like, if you see any of this going on, this is a great way to tell if what you're being fed is just kind of like pop psychology and not super scientific. Um, right. If someone has a stake in this going one way or the other, it's usually real when it's not glamorous. It's fairly neutral. Yep. There's a gray area. And it's it's kind of boring, right? Like, on some level. Yeah, yeah. It, when, it's, when it's really just an actual authentic here's what happened, here's the storyline, as mm-hmm. opposed to here's how you should feel about this thing. Yeah. Again, you know, what what message are they trying to convey? Are they just trying to re- report and kind of educate? Mm-hmm. Or are they are they pushing you to feel a certain way or to do a certain thing? Right. Exactly. 
So we're going to kind of talk a little bit now about what are some pop psychology terms, phrases, or concepts that we think are unhelpful as mental health workers, like things we've seen in the media that like really get our go. And we just want people to know like, that isn't anything. Oh my God, like that is nothing. So the first thing that was really easy that I think we already talked about a little bit was romanticizing mental health disorders. Mm, Yeah. Like that is banana town. If you have ever had one of these things, which I think both of us have both had different things in our past. Right. It's not for y'all. It sucks. Yeah. It's not fun. (laughs) It's not a party. And it's not a life sentence either. Oh, it's not a life sentence. Yes. I mean, they also kind of, they glamorize it, but then they also are like, this is my life now. Yeah. (laughs) And, And also in the media, mental health is portrayed like, not only is this permanent, but you're, it, it's your identity. Right. You yeah. are a depressed person. Right. Instead of saying you are struggling with depressive symptoms or you are experiencing depression. Yeah. You're depressed. You're yeah. bipolar. Yeah. You you have PTSD. And it's like, you're a person. Yeah. You're a whole ass human being. And you happen to have PTSD symptoms right now. Right. Right. You don't say like, you are the flu. Right. Yeah. You are a broken leg forever. You are heart disease. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you're not defined by the condition. But in in media mental health, a lot of times you see people like that's the definition. Right. And when something happens, that's what's to blame. Right. Right. There's a there's a lack of accountability. And that's what we always go to is it's like, well, what could have been done? Right. This person clearly was depressed or this person clearly had PTSD. It's like. No, the person had their whole faculties and they're an okay adult and they also have depression. Right. Right. Or or had it at one point. It's not necessarily permanent. So that's one of the first things that kind of bugs me. What do you got that in pop psychology kind of? I was I was thinking of like the opposites attract and like the twin flamey kind of stuff. Uh, that's really kind of glamorized. Yes. And I feel like it actually just really reinforces those toxic, narcissistic, codependent behaviors, really. Mm-hmm. Um, although I will say that my husband and I are definitely very opposite in a lot of different things. Again, our values are essentially the same, but I that the opposites wasn't what attracted us. It was the similarities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the opposites attracting is kind of hocus pocus yeah. honestly guys like you can definitely have complementary skill sets but that's very different than having different values yeah like you're not gonna you're not gonna have a copacetic relationship with somebody who values something totally different than you yeah there's like literally been research done on this like we're right. not just like spouting off this is not a thing that is real when you say opposites attract that's banana town right maybe opposite skill sets again but not opposite values right yeah maybe there's a, a lust there for something a little different but that's hey different. baby <laughs> and again it reinforces the negative it's like it's saying that you should tolerate these behaviors because well it's just opposite to trapped oh man yeah no don't tolerate it no no well that's actually that's a really great point if you're not thinking long term opposites can do whatever they want to do Fair my enough. dudes <laughs> Have a ball. <laughs> Be safe. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Opposites can do whatever. I don't even care. Whatever. That's your life, everybody. But yes, in a long-term relationship, no, that doesn't really work. I also, this this one always kills me. What, how do they say it? Smiling takes fewer muscles than frowning. Oh, yeah. I have heard that. Or just smile, be happy, or just let it go. Just smile. You'll feel better. Mm. That is nothing. Everybody, that is nothing. 
Let me just tell you that much. It is, yes, it's helpful to kind of try to laugh. Right. Or, to do like, like we said before, a laughing exercise where yeah. you just kind of start fake laughing and eventually you'll actually just be laughing at yourself. Yeah, that's fine. Or like finding things that are humorous out there to try to put you in a better mood. But just smiling, <laughs> I always want to say like, gee, thanks, I'm cured. Like, wow, <laughs> you really did it. Genius, genius shit right there. Genius work. Or like when you tell somebody to smile, that is not oh, helpful. Never, ever tell anyone to smile. That's just rude. Do not do this thing. Do not do this thing. Um, also, on the same vein, saying good vibes only, I always say that as like a joke. Like, <laughs> it's like my favorite thing to say, like, hashtag good vibes only. Like, please don't say that to anyone really right. in real life because there's no, first of all, people, it's pretty hard to control your vibes. Right. And second of all, like, you're devalidating basically any other experience. Yeah. Like, it's okay for another person to have a negative emotional experience in your presence. Like, that's fine. And in fact, that actually shows that they felt safe and comfortable with you to have that experience in front of you. Yeah. Now, we're not talking like Eeyores. Like, that's a whole nother thing. Right. The Eeyore being the person who's always like, I don't know, Christopher Robin. (laughs) All seems like trash to me. And they're like, you know, you're like, you've won a million dollars. They're like, oh, I'm going to have to pay taxes on it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's like always negative. Yeah. You can still set boundaries with people and be like, no, I'm not going to tolerate you to always come up in my space and fuck my day up with your negativity. Yeah. But you also shouldn't just say that you're going to only tolerate that. And, you know, you think about kids growing up in, you know, there are some households that they wouldn't let their child really express any yeah. other emotion. Like they could only come to them if they were happy or they could. And, and then the child doesn't even learn how to express themselves. Right. You've got to allow the spectrum. Right. It's, it's okay to feel an uncomfortable emotion and to be in the presence of somebody who's feeling something uncomfortable and to participate in that. Like life isn't always about feeling good vibes only and it's okay to participate in something else, which is my next one, which is the live, laugh, love. Oh God. <laughs> I kind of like those signs. Oh man. Tick, oh, that shit pisses me off so much. Me, me and a friend of mine uh, in grad school used to have a saying, instead of live, laugh, love, we'd say die, puke, scowl. Oh God. <laughs> uh, not really. We don't really want that. But like, These sorts of things, I use these as examples to share what can be at times, if they're overused, toxic positivity. That's what I was going to say. It's really toxic positivity is what you're describing. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Where you're, you're, you're not trying to process the most emotions. You're trying to bypass them. Like we talked about Mm -hmm. with the emotional stuff. Yeah. Anything that basically encourages you to stuff something that you're feeling. I mean, it's okay to table it yes and react to it when you have time yeah a little later but stuffing for weeks years not okie dokie right yeah what else you got on the docket that's something that doesn't really fly with you for pop psychology uh i was gonna say just i feel like the bipolar disorder is often really misinterpreted and glamorized to weird extents yes uh and it's always it's described as this rapid changing, super unpredictable thing. Uh, and uh, that's not at all what it is. You know, people aren't just manic and then they're depressed. In five minutes. Yeah. yeah, that's that's not how it works. That's so tell us, works. tell us a little bit more about how it does work. Because here's what we see. 
we see somebody comes you know, into our office and they watch TV and they're like, oh man, I, my mood's all over the place. I must be bipolar. Like one minute I'm crying and the next minute I'm laughing. And I'm like, so you're a human? Right. You're an adult human person. That experiences different emotions. It sounds like you got a good range. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what really would be something that looks like bipolar and like, you know, what is, what do people see in the media? Wait, what does the media say or what's the reality? Both. Break it off. So the media, like we said, is the rapid changing Mm -hmm. moods and just kind of all over the place. And they definitely, they put the mania in like extreme mania. Yeah. Uh, There is also hypermania, hypomania, which is a lower level of of Mm -hmm. mania that people can experience is a little more common. Mm -hmm. Um, And and mania is basically what? It's like... Erratic, grandiose... Mm -hmm. uh, Pressured speech. Pressured speech. Yeah. Very all. I mean, very just ah, like the bunny bouncing around the room. Like, yeah, yeah. Ping pong. It can be irritable. It can be like irritability. It can be angry. Can be angry. It can be extreme. Like what seems like happiness. There can be like kind of like delusions in it. Like some people will like be some delusional. Yeah. Grandiose thoughts. Yeah. Some people will be like, I am Cleopatra reincarnated. You're like, okay. Like maybe I don't right maybe not. Who what was that actor that was like I have tiger's blood? Oh yeah, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Yeah, yeah. So that was like his manic episode, right? Yeah. So that was he could have also been on drugs. Yeah, it's it's hard that, to <laughs> that definitely could be a factor. A lot of times, like as psychologists and social workers, it's actually really hard for us to tell whether somebody is manic or on cocaine <laughs> or like on speed. It's like ah shit. Like I don't know right now. Right. We have to like take it in a context. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah. And so like the next time they show up. If they're still in that state, then mm-hmm. it might be more likely that it's mania, not drugs. Mm-hmm. Unless they used again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they have a very specific use schedule, which is always before, right before session. <laughs> but yeah, but so yeah, basically those those episodes last for a couple weeks or so at least. Mm-hmm. And there can be normal levels. Just because you're bipolar doesn't mean you're always gonna be in a depressed state or a hypomanic state. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be in a normal state for a few months and then go into a cycle. Yep. Uh, you can be rapid cycling where it is a little more closer to, yeah. to changing every few days. Yeah. A little bit where you have some of the, the mania symptoms and some of the depressive symptoms. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is the media describes it as like basically coming totally out of the blue. That shit doesn't come out of the blue. Everybody no. there's something called biorhythms um, where if people who have bipolar one or bipolar two, um, the difference is one is just a little more like heavier duty mania and heavier duty depression. Right. And one is a little less severe. Um, that basically these people are very susceptible to rhythm changes like sleep pattern disturbances, eating pattern disturbances, circadian rhythm disturbances. Yeah. And even just daily routine disturbances. Yep. I mean, those can affect them too and throw them off. Stress. Just stress. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like stress like fucks people up and yeah. particularly people with bipolar. So it's like, and but it's not like they're just always just bananas insane and i feel like the media portrays that as like as them really being just in a constant state of insanity or mm -hmm. extreme depression yeah yeah yeah. and it really doesn't work like that yes i love that example so much and frankly a lot of times i think even mental health providers get that wrong oh yeah that gets misdiagnosed a lot i feel like that's the borderline the bipolar Mm -hmm. 
Those are the big ones. Those are the big ones that get misdiagnosed, I think. Yeah, because borderline is often complex trauma and bipolar is often complex trauma, actually. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely obviously a biological component more so to the bipolar than the borderline, I would say. Yeah, when it's when it's misdiagnosed, it's usually that the misdiagnosis is actually complex trauma. But when it's correctly diagnosed, yeah, there's definitely a very biological component to to bipolar. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. That's a great example. I, um, I also added the saying, the past is the past. (laughs) That one, that one drives me banana town because it's like, yes, the past is the past, but it is really important to explore how your past links up with what you're doing now. Yeah. How is the past affecting your now? Mm -hmm. And if it is affecting your now, why is it still affecting your now? Yeah. That means that you need to dig into that and see what's, what's related, what's echoing from the past that's, you know, similar to the now. Absolutely. And and we can, at a certain point, leave the past in the past, but it's usually only once you've actually explored it. Yeah. And you can't just wipe it under the rug. Again, we can't bypass it. If yeah. it's affecting you now, then you can't leave it in the past. You have to dig it up and be like, why the frick is this thing still yeah. a thing? Yeah. You have to look it in the hairy eyeball. You have to turn <laughs> over the fucking the wood and the stump in the forest and look at all the slugs and examine them one by one and all the roly pullies and send it's not fun but somebody's got to do it um i also have the saying you have to forgive them Mm. guys nothing makes my blood boil more i know i sound like really calm but if anybody is telling you well it'll help your mental health if you just forgive them or if they say it's family that's the reason that you have to forgive is it's family you just have to forgive them or or because of jesus you just have to forgive them that I will say, though, I am I am somebody who supports forgiveness, but I support it in a way that you are doing it for yourself Mm -hmm. more. So you are not going to let them rent space in your head anymore and distress you. You're not going to let this external situation or thing that happened continue to distress you. So you're only forgiving in a way to detach from the situation. It's not but you're not forgetting the wrongdoing. Yeah, I think I think there's like a fundamental misconception about what forgiveness should be in terms of like from a mental health standpoint, mm-hmm. like forgiveness about is about more if it's going to be healthy mentally, it's about one, you feel like you want to. It's right. not something somebody else to. has told you Two, it's something that is personal to you and it is not an excuse of the behavior that somebody did to you. Right. It's more like I'm choosing to move forward. I just don't want to. It's more of an acceptance place rather than like, hey, this was okay because it wasn't. It's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's more about, I think too, a lot of times forgiveness, like true forgiveness requires somebody to make amends. And if, if nobody is trying to make amends or if nobody is trying to change their behavior, then behavioral forgiveness may not be warranted. Maybe you can thinking pattern forgive them, cognitively right. forgive cognitively them. detach, but yep. maybe you have to actually physically detach. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like maybe that means you don't behaviorally forgive them, but in your mind you're like, okay, cool, that's done. Like I'm moving on. Um, but I think there's a lot of toxic forgiveness speech out there that's very much like, you have to behavior basically. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You have to continue to engage with this person and you have to pretend like what they did was okay with you. And I am, 
it's funny because this is where I like to really try to be like a research evidence supported kind of provider. But this is one of the areas where I actually don't um, agree with the evidence. Uh, mm. And probably it's because I'm a trauma provider and I feel pretty strongly about this. I think I take kind of an opposite stance of Michaela, which is like, I actually don't think forgiveness is <laughs> the way of the, you know, like I, I, I respect that opinion on your end, but unfortunately I think people confuse forgiveness with acceptance a yeah. lot. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. And just at least in trauma work anyway, because like then people go back to the shitty situation and sometimes it's like, you have to kind of remember what happened and like not hold a grudge, but be very aware of it. Right. Be very aware of when those behavior patterns start to emerge again. So you can not allow a similar situation yeah. to occur. Yeah. But Michaela is right. You guys, there is some like really good research on like forgiveness in terms of like as a process within yourself. Right. Not as how it relates to somebody else. Right. Yeah. And that's generally what I encourage in, in practice is, is the, yeah. listen, I don't think it's okay what they did. And there, there's no excuse and mm -hmm. there's nothing like that can ever validate that you went through this experience, but in order for you to move on and for, or in order for you to not allow them the gratification, the grat, the gratification, is that a word? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Yes. To not allow them to. The satisfaction. That, there you That's go. a word. That's yeah. a good word. Yeah. To have the satisfaction that they are still getting to dictate your life. They are still getting to pull strings because of that past thing that they did mm -hmm. to influence you. Yeah. You're not going to let them rent that space in your head anymore. You're going right. to remove it and, and you're going to cut that box out and say, fuck that box. It's done. Yeah. I think really what it is, is it's just a question of like terminology, but like at the end of the day, if somebody tells you, you have to spend time with somebody just because of faith or because of family or because mm -hmm. of whatever the fuck. Toxic and is toxic. It doesn't make you feel comfortable. No, you don't have to do any of that. Like it's, right. it's a pop psychology thing. It's kind of not founded in anything really evidence-based. So I would, you know, be careful with that. <laughs> Another easier one is you only use 10% of your brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is such bullshit. We are always using 100% of our brain. We don't. What does that even mean? We use 10% of our brain. What are means at a time? I think. That's not even true, though. I don't know. I never did the research on that one. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen, you're always you're basically the way your brain works is it is always recruiting like multiple different neuronal set like patterns and multiple different sections of your brains. Like just to have my eyeballs working, true. looking at Michaela right true. now, I'm literally using a whole part of my cortex just to use my eyeballs. Right. And to be speaking right now, an entirely different part and of my cortex. And, and to, to breathe and to have my heart. Sentence. Yeah. And to have my heart beating and to be moving my hands all gesticulating like I am right now. <laughs> like I'm using a hundred percent of my brain, everybody. What the fuck? 10%? Like that's a made up thing don't say that thing it's pop psychology but i think people like use it in um like sci-fi movies basically to be like well we're, we're all very smart yeah we're <laughs> we're using 10 percent of our brain but we if we use 100 percent, we'd be psychic and we the, could like the limitless drug the yeah <laughs> yes exactly yeah. exactly so that's made up everybody just so you know i know it's cool to say but anyway anything else that you want to add about like things that drive you crazy 
I, I did write down, you know, a phrase that is technically pop psychology, even though it's related to our title, is shrink. Oh, yep. Yep, yep, that's yep. That's not an actual term. Like, Yeah, head shrinker. Yeah, that's... We are psychotherapists. We are counselors. We are, <laughs> there's a lot of terms for us, but shrink is actually not one of them that is yeah. generally used. And in a different setting, I mean, we use it tongue in cheek here, so I it's enjoyable. I was going to say tongue in cheek too. I don't even know what that means, <laughs> but I was going to say that. Yes. But I, if somebody would walk in and they call me a shrink, there are times where I'm like, I, it, 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 it kind of like ruffles me a little bit because I'm like, I don't like that. Like, I'm not trying to shrink you. Like, I'm not trying to yeah, yeah, shrink you down. And It's just a misconception, I think, about mental health workers is like, we don't care. We're just trying to analyze you. Like, 99% of the time, we like just want your day to go better. That's it. We yeah. just want you to have a happier life. That's the whole thing. We didn't go in it to like judge or analyze. We're right. not trying to shrink. No. That's just not a thing. No. <laughs> Maybe back in the Freudian days, it was more of a thing when you were laying on a couch and... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a whole lot of other wild things There was on. a lot of weird wild things. Oh, no. We oh, no. We should on that. Like, just like, you know, like bottomies and all those kind of Oh, holes. yeah, we should. Did you know... Okay, here's a really interesting fact. This is totally inappropriate, so we can always cut this. But <laughs> did you know they used to actually, like, prescribe women to have orgasms, basically? Yeah. yeah. For, his, for hysteria. Yeah. And be like, we're going to, we're going to masturbate you until you're better. Yeah. Yeah. I think it worked. (laughs) I mean, I I think it kind of did because women were unsatisfied at the time with, you know, their sexual gratification was not important. Yeah. So there would be people who would come in and be like, I'm hysterical. uh, Please treat me, doctor. (laughs) The like hot doctor got like a lot more patience. (laughs) Right. I want that one. (laughs) No, I don't, you know, I think there's probably like, just with everything, there was probably like really rich women who got to like kind of choose and be like, okay, this is right. what and I there want. Were some that were probably kind of abused with yes, yeah, yes, for sure. exactly. But anyway, fun facts about mental health: there were so many different unethical treatments back then. Oh my then. gosh, so many! I really hope that we don't reflect someday and be like, wow, I shouldn't have been doing that. But oh I feel like god, overall, yeah, we're at least we are still in the Civil War era, but we're at least using evidence-based treatment for like the best of what's out there. Right, we're we're doing our best. We're doing our best. <laughs> um, other kinds of things to like keep in mind is venting is cathartic and helpful. It's kind of like mm. a, a pop psychology thing. Venting actually isn't that helpful. Like it is helpful to express your emotions. Right. It's itself. It's helpful to try and problem solve around them. It's helpful to be clear about what you need and assertive. Right. Related. It's helpful to externalize, basically get the thing that's in your head out of your head. Right. But. Not to reamp yourself up and not yeah. to just perseverate. ruminate. Yeah. yeah. Ruminate. Jeez Louise. <laughs> ruminate, perseverate. <laughs> ruminate and perseverate on this. Yeah. Like, don't just hold on to it, basically. Venting is not actually right. that Unless cathartic. you're going to actually process that experience and you're going to explore what you need to do about it, mm-hmm. then you're just blowing smoke. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, another pop psychology tur or like saying is that people pick on you because they like you or they love you. Like, oh, that boy's that little boy's picking on you because they like oh my you. Gosh. That is the most fucked up thing. That is Never so fucked up. say that to anybody. No, Never say that. just reinforcing that. OK, if they really like you, then they're going to be mean to you. So you want your kid to be with somebody who's mean with to them. Well, like, what is that? What yeah. the frick? Yeah, that's a wild thing to say. And it also really, like, vindicates... I beat up the boys in my school who did that. That's, first of all, smart. <laughs> 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 
second of all, that's just toxic toxic masculinity. Yeah. We want we don't want any part of that. That's not useful for healthy relationships. Um, oh, also, I wanted to also put out there: not everyone in the world is gaslighting and abusive. Right. It's really become this thing to basically be like, "Well, you're gaslighting me, and you're abusing me." And yes, that does happen a lot. First of all, gaslighting and abusing does happen a lot. But not every time somebody raises their voice, are they abusing right. you? Not every time somebody is saying something you don't like, are they abusing you? So just keep in mind, like, it has to really be a pattern. We've talked about that in previous episodes. Right. Yeah. Don't just jump to that conclusion. Because really then what you're doing, too, is you're deval- you're unvalidating their experience and what they're trying to express if you're just saying that everything that they do is... Abuse. Abuse. Yeah. Yeah. And... I had one more, which is that dissociative identity disorder is actually very rare. Like you see all these television shows and movies. (laughs) With people with multiple, which is the multiple personality is what it used to be called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Wasn't there another, just like split personality disorder or something like there was another term for it. Another term for it. Yeah. Um, It's just when you, it's like the Sybil case. It's like when people have uh, other voices and other personalities coming out of their body and brain and i gotta be real with you i'm not it's even a, rare. it's it's super rare duper duper rare i have not actually seen it like in i have practice. not physically seen it either but i there is a book written by somebody who has it like mm-hmm. an autobiography and it's amazing and i think it does a really good job of describing yeah everything uh i'm you know it's called it's called the sum of my parts by this, Olga Trujulalo. I apologize. Trujulalo? <laughs> T-R-U-J-U-L-L-O. I have never actually read that. Yeah. It's the sum of my parts, but it's a really good autobiography on her. Like, it talks about kind of how each personality even developed. Like, mm. where she, like, through all the therapy that she's been through, she's been able to kind of recognize where these things and how they got reinforced. And it's crazy sauce, but it's really interesting and, and is a realistic portrayal. That is fascinating. I need to do, you know me, I got to always hit the books on it because I got to be real. I'm like not a hundred that I believe in it. Really? Yeah. That book helped me believe in it because I was kind of pretty skeptical myself. I am, I am incredibly skeptical. I want to hit the books on it. And, and the reason, the reason why I say I'm not a hundred about it is not because I don't think, like, I actually do think people, I have seen people who present like they have multiple personality disorders, but again, 99% of the time, what I've seen is that it's a complex trauma well, reaction. That's what, that's what dissociative identity disorder right. is. It is a complex tra- Each of those identities develop due to a complex trauma reaction. It's right. kind of the essence of it. Yeah. But like my kind of perspective is like, I don't know that they're entirely unaware of one another. Mm. And I don't know that they're entirely separated from one another. Right. And I don't know that as a treatment engaging in these things as if they are separate is maybe the best i don't know like i would say so and that's what's interesting too in this book is she talks about that process so like her main identity that was like she kind of saw as her baseline identity yeah wasn't really aware initially until she started to go to therapy and and got kind of see i buy that i buy all that and once she became aware then you know she was able to kind of start to figure all that stuff out but the other identities were aware of each other so, mm-hmm. like, her main super identity was kind of unaware initially, but the other ones knew of each other. Yeah. I mean, that's not, like, super far-fetched to me in the sense of, like, I mean, I've had people, like, recall bits of trauma right. over time that they, like... Basically, she would just dissociate. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's why it's yeah. called dissociative identities. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need 
need to, I want to read that. It's so, it's a page turner. Oh man, you know me. I am like chronically skeptical. Like I'm just so fucking skeptical. Not because like, let me be clear. In the interest of the people I treat, I am trying to be skeptical, not to hurt or to harm anybody, but in order to be like the most conservative about like what I know to be best for people. That's right. that's well, where my again, skepticism. that's a label that exactly potentially getting put onto somebody. And and I'm sorry, but you don't want that label. Yeah, like, and I've seen just in practice, like I can think about the last person I saw with who was labeled with dissociative identity disorder. It just turns out she had a very serious sexual assault history. There was mm. nothing really going on there. And she was just dissociating a lot. Like, right. just kind of not there in her body. Right. More but, like dissociative fugue. Yeah, just just not in her body a whole lot. It was yeah. She was just having a hard time staying present. And so I've just seen it misdiagnosed so much and then, like, mistreated that I'm like, you know me, I'm sketchy about everything. I'm like, ah, don't forgive anybody. Fucking nothing's real. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a curmudgeonly bastard over here, but it's it's in an effort to care. And I think both of us are just it's like this should tell you the fact that we have these debates is that there's not always a consistent like 100 percent answer across the board. A lot of times we just know what not to do. (laughs) We're like, oh, this thing is just bad, but we don't know what to do. Did you have other things that you wanted to uh, talk about in terms of like other pop psychology terms that you were like, yeah, I don't know about all this. Not necessarily. I was I was going to sort of note that a lot of people say that they like the term assertive has mm. been thrown around a lot more, but they're actually describing aggressive behavior half the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was being so assertive. No, that was actually super aggressive. Actually. You were like aggro as hell, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> like you really took it to another level. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good but point. That was really the only other thing with all of that. Yeah. So, so what are some terms or phrases that are kind of lesser known that we wish you would know instead of the pop psychology stuff? So one that we already touched on is everything has a gray area. Everything has a gray area. It's not black and white. It's not sensational. It's not sexy. Also, emotions should be processed, but not necessarily dwelled upon. Yeah. It's another thing to kind of keep in mind. Anger. A lack of forgiveness or being hardcore with boundaries a lot of times in our society is looked at weirdly. Yeah. They're all okay. Totally fine. Yeah. Again, anger shows you what you're passionate about. If somebody crossed your boundaries. Yeah. It All it means is that you need to explore what the hell just happened and ask yourself if, if this is, are you having this out of habit? Are you, are you feeling this because somebody actually validly crossed a boundary? Yeah. You need to have a discussion with them. Yeah. You know, explore it. Again, you need to process that emotion, but don't get stuck in the emotion. Yeah, exactly. Ride the wave. And then one more thing just to keep in mind is like mental health science is not political. There's no dollar thing attached to it. The science is the science is the science. So just keep that in mind. Like do your research. Don't just be swayed by any kind of like media statements. Right. I think some things to keep in mind, some like media that actually is good representations of mental health. Um, I'm sure you're going to say this one. So I'll let you go first. What do you think are good representations of mental health? <laughs> you're going to go with voices? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't have that one on there. That one's good, though. Yes, oh. exactly. Yes, voices. <laughs> the show Voices with Ryan Reynolds does actually a pretty decent job of showing kind of schizophrenia. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's very dark. Like, it's definitely about it's a murderer. A comedy, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's only about a murderer. But just, like, overall, it's a good representation, like, about, you know, hearing voices and seeing things that aren't there. It's it's really interesting and neat. Yeah. 
Um, I also like uh, Inside Out. Mm, of course. Yeah. So how they label emotions in that movie is actually really useful. And yes. everybody in the world should watch it. The end. Forever, never, amen. Have you ever... I think I've talked to you about The Babadook. Uh, I have, but it's been a while. It was scary, but refresh me on yeah. how... Uh, the connection. The Babadook is like this scary movie where you, this woman, I think she's in Australia. Her husband pass away, passes away in a motor vehicle accident. And this, uh, her child like ends up bringing in this like creepy book into her house. And this book like has this thing attached to it called the Babadook. And it duck, duck, ducks at the door from the book. And then she lets the Babadook in and then it inhabits her house. And it's like this monster. Yeah. And it's really a metaphor for depression. And so, like, slowly over time, she, like, can't leave her house and, like, becomes even more withdrawn and, like, can't talk to people. It's, like, very, very, very creepy. But it's an incredibly useful, uh, like, kind of metaphor. Yeah. 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 For depression. I I thought it was great. And then when you're kind of fighting that battle, sometimes it can be good to externalize that and, Mm -hmm. like, imagine it. Like, I'm, okay, I'm fighting the friggin' Babadook right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm going to leave this goddamn house because the Babadook doesn't want me to. Yeah. Um, I also thought of, um, there's a Harry Potter reference. I can't remember what the actual creatures are, but when Harry Potter comes back from like his, to like his fourth or fifth year of school, he sees that the, the um, carriages are being drawn by oh, these. yeah, we kind of talked about. Yeah, 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 the skeleton horses. And it's like, it's a metaphor for trauma. Like other people can't see the skeleton horses that are pulling the carts. Ron and Hermione are like, what the fuck? Like, right. you're crazy. We can't see that. And, and Luna is like, like, oh, I see him too. Yeah. And it's like, I see them because, you know. My mom you, died. Yeah, said. yeah. You have seen death. Yeah, exactly. So that's just a really good representation of like fitting in with other people who maybe had traumatic histories. So that's mm-hmm. not a bad one. Yeah. Um, also Midsummer is another, Oh, I don't think I've seen that. Yeah. It's a horror movie and it is a representation of like this woman. She basically goes to this retreat over the summer. It's supposed to be like a kind of like a druggy holiday also with this like pagany Swedish group. I don't know how to describe it. (laughs) Yeah. It does sound fun. It sounds really fun. And she goes with her boyfriend. It's like a representation of emotional abuse. It's really fucking radical. Yeah. I'll have to watch that. Yeah. Anyway, what do you like? What else do you like? The Skeleton Key is another good horror movie that I think just really shows the power of belief systems. Yeah. If you're willing to believe in something, Mm -hmm. that. It's huge. I mean, you can believe that you're going to fail and guess what? You're going to freaking fail. You can believe that you're going to succeed and you're probably more likely to succeed, you know, like those vision boards and those kind of things. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's just, it's a good representation on, hey, if you stock your belief system in the right place, it can, <laughs> it can lead you to some nasty things or it can lead you to some wonderful things. Right. Actualization. Yeah. Absolutely. I really like that example. I also thought the vow kind of shows like a little bit of like good about like the amnesia. Well, I don't remember what the vow is. So, uh, I can't think of her name. She's in the notebook. And okay, she, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, Rachel McAdams. And she loses her memory in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And Channing Tatum basically has to remind her that, yeah, we were married. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, like, re have her re-fall in love. And it's just an interesting dynamic of where he, you know, remembers all who they used to be. And to, she's like a complete stranger mm-hmm. to her. So it's just a a good depiction. Yeah, good depiction. Struggle. Yeah. That's cool. I like that a lot. I haven't, yeah, I have not seen that one. 
I love my chick flicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, fantasize. Yeah, mm, we could. <laughs> A little chanting. A little chanting soothes the soul. Never hurt anyone. Yeah. I also, like, I think I said this before, Monica Geller is a really good representation of obsessive compulsive personality disorder mm-hmm. from Friends. Yes. And I do feel like Sheldon Cooper uh, yeah. from Big Bang is different kind of autism spectrum. Autism spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um Bad ones, pretty easy, like Fight Club and oh, Split Club. Yeah. are both representations of a dissociative identity disorder that are fucking bogus, frankly. <laughs> yeah. um, They're pretty extreme. <laughs> I think Beautiful Mind can go both ways. Like, it does have some... It's Aspects a rep- of truth. Yeah, it's a representation of a man, John Nash, who's basically a genius and economist, and he had schizophrenia or has schizophrenia. I think he's deceased now, so had schizophrenia. Um, and it does kind of... There's some negative, like, visual... Full visual hallucinations are very, very rare, and mm-hmm. it does depict those. Um, but the auditory, it's good depiction, I thought. Um, other negative ones that you didn't love... I just, I feel like most therapists in shows are yeah. terribly depicted. Like yeah. social workers, therapists, psychologists. Yes. Are just total quacks. Yes. In almost all the shows. Yes. And are terrible therapists with poor boundaries. It's very rare for there to be a good therapist the in a show. The only one that I can actually think of that was decent was in Lucifer. Have you seen I was literally going to say uh, Lucifer. Yeah. I was literally going to say Lucifer. Does a de- I mean, obviously yes. there's some unethical bullshit that she does yeah. when she gets involved with her patients. Like she, she, I mean, Lucifer Morningstar, right? I mean, it's kind of hard not to. Yeah. Like for that whatever perspective. But, He's uh, the devil. So yeah. like she had an excuse, but. But overall, she actually does a decent job of being a therapist in that show. I think she does a good job of trying to break down what they're experiencing, getting them to communicate to each other more effectively. Mm-hmm. She yeah. doesn't push what she is thinking or feeling onto the situation. But overall, she does a good job of just showing what a good therapist actually kind of does. Like, she's the only one that I can really think of that's decent in a show. Yeah. I'll say Goodwill Hunting isn't awful. Okay. That one's not awful. I don't remember the therapist in that one. It's Robin Williams. Okay. Um, So, Robin Williams is basically treating Matt Damon, who's like a little boy genius, and he doesn't do a whole lot of boundary violations. He does do open-ended questions. He does do appropriate self-disclosure. He's okay. very sweet. I mean, it's yeah. it's better. It's a lot better than a lot of them. Um, but most of the time, just fucking bananas. Like, there's a movie called 50-50 where she's an intern, and he's like a cancer patient, and uh-huh. she ends up basically like falling in love with him, and then like sleeping with him and then like they're together then after that it's like what in the world like no that is horrible no 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 yeah there's like case 39 is one where a yeah. social worker mm-hmm. takes a basically she ends up adopting the kid mm-hmm. and it's like what the you know no you no, cannot do this you thing you cannot do that thing yeah uh-uh. no. no or like Clarice, Silence of the Lambs, like right. that's a bit bananas. Like these are all terrible representations. <laughs> they really are. Sorry to burst your bubble, but our lives aren't nearly that interesting. No, <laughs> not, not even a little. Not even close. Anyway, so I think I don't know if you guys if you wanted to do an outside of session experiment or if you want to take a break this week since this one ran a little longer. It's totally up to you. Yeah, we can take a break. I'm going to throw out just here at the end a few songs that I think are awesome for. Ooh, yeah. Like the in uh, the middle by Jimmy Eat World. I feel like has really good. Take some time, little girl. Yeah, everything. 
You Gotta Be by Desiree is really good self-talk. You gotta be bad. You, you gotta, gotta be bold. You gotta, gotta be wiser. Gotta be strong. You yeah. gotta be tough. Gotta There's be another one, too, that I really like that's uh, new, and I, I learned it off of TikTok. <laughs> oh, here we go. It's This Is How I Learned to Say No mm. by Emmeline, E-M-E-L-I-N-E. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's a, it's like a brand new song that she just released, but it is so awesome, especially for those of us who are people pleasers or maybe have that codependent streak. This it's like it's just about taking your power back and be like, this is how I learned to say no. I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. really cool. I wish I had some songs off the bat that I could think of. I I am really often very moved by music, but I'm more of like a the the actual instrumentals of it. Ooh. Like yeah, yeah. that's I don't listen to the words as much, but I'll, I always I always tone in on those lyrics for some reason. Yeah, I'll I'll hit you up with some good ones at some point. I'll, I'll throw in some good ones at some point. But since we're not going to do a homework, I'm gonna hit you with this. Okay, Michaela, I started going to the Hokey Pokey Clinic. I really turned myself around. <laughs> Gosh. that's the podcast this week stay tuned for next week oh also um don't hit us up on our patreon yeah hit us up on our patreon if you like what we're doing if you're appreciating what we're putting down please do support us uh www.patreon slash shit your shrink thinks and shoot us an email at shit your shrink thinks um at gmail.com and let us know what you think give us any suggestions for topics or something funny you got on your mind all right everybody thanks yeah. so much thank you have a great week have a great week we'll see you next week Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.